Hello and welcome back to A Beholder's Chronicle, the tale between two pages. I am here with Chaotic Stupid Media. They are a Twitch streamer and Twitter user that loves their homebrew world uh, and their stories. I'm going to have them be talking all that they want about their world. So uh, you want to give us a little quick introduction about yourself? Definitely, definitely. So thank you for having me, of course. Um, I'm Kevin. I'm 27, almost 28 years old. Please don't remind me. <laughs> but um, yeah, about me. So I've basically been saying that I wanted to be a writer since I was about 14 years old. Um, but for the longest time, that really only expressed itself in, you know, fantasy role playing, like online role playing games and things like that. Um, I um, have gotten into D&D. Especially D&D, uh, about f I got into it about four and a half years ago with an incredible group of players uh, that I actually recruited from the Critical Role fandom, uh, really? from the fan group on on Facebook. And ever since, I've just been hooked. Like I I cannot get enough D&D, TTRPG, and just generally fantasy writing stuff in my head. You know, it's just I I want more and more and more. And yeah. Uh, that, that's pretty much, I think, who I am in, in this context, for sure. Yeah, perfect. Alright, well, um, for your followers, uh, I am Pun, uh, the Pungeon Master, also also known as a Beholder's Chronicle or, a, or ABC D&D &D Pod. Uh, we are a podcast that is solely about the homebrew world's creations and stories uh, of the tabletop role-playing uh, game community. We love showcasing people's uh, worlds, as we're going to be doing here with Chaotic Stupid Media today. Um, I have been playing Dungeons & Dragons for, you know, almost 12 years now, I think. I've been dungeon mastering wow. for five or six years. Uh, and during that entire time, I've been working on building my own world that if you listen to the podcast... Uh, you've gotten to hear a little bit about it, and hopefully you'll be listening to more and more. But today, it's all about Chaotic Stupid Media's uh, world. And I want to hear everything you want to say about it. We can start from the beginning, like literally the, the beginning. My, one of my favorite questions to ask is about people's creation myth. Because uh, I know my creation right. myth is very like particular, and I I enjoyed really making the story that went into the creation of my planes, and so I can only imagine that other people have great uh, great stories to tell about that as well. No, definitely, um, and I think it's definitely a good good place to begin. You know, it's but I have to admit up front that. I have taken the, the liberty of essentially saying that not everything is known, even, you know, quote-unquote, to me. Um, and I'm I'm letting the players discover it as I discover it as well. That so, is, no, that is a completely, total, totally valid way to do things. Oh. I, I still like the way that I have it, but it's definitely something that, you know, because I, I see, you know, uh, creation myths that, that influence a world so strongly, like... Undoubtedly, you know, with one that is as unique uh, as yours uh, is described as being that like I want that as well and My world is unique, but I need to figure out, you know, where exactly the ties lie completely, exactly. but just to, to, to kind of kick it off, right? So um, What I what I wrote down in my notes was, you know, obviously it was shrouded in mystery, but the rough lines are this that way in the beginning and i i kind of i really like the the almost cliche myth of everything just kind of started to coalesce into something right there, there was this kind of ethereal sea of of nothingness and it just out of that kind of things grew into uh, into being i don't think that that's cliche at all i think that that's a very standard like uh, i guess maybe standard could be seen as cliche but i, I think that that is a very like normal and really good way to kind of because the the idea that things are just random is t it totally influences the world 
So, like, the difference between something Definitely. between my world and your world, first off, right off the bat, it seems like my world is, is created, so the people in the world might see themselves as there for a reason, while in a world where it's created by randomosity, there might be people there that, uh, that are affected by that. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's, I guess I say cliche because I enjoy the idea of leaning into cliche sometimes. Like, you know, I like taking that stereotype and just leaning into it and just fleshing it out super well. So I haven't gotten quite there yet, but, you know, let's say that uh, we, we, we go way back to the beginning. And matter begins to coalesce into essentially in the very beginning it is the the gods and the the powers that be essentially that that come into existence and um along with them come you know planets and, and the universe as we as we know it but they uh in turn i i envision it in the same way that you know we we have our planet for them their planet is the universe so they had their squabbles and their territories and their everything just on a universal scale. Yeah, and that's really cool. That, uh, Yeah, and, and then eventually they started to realize, at least a group of them began to realize, that their continued existence in this, in this fashion was preventing the universe essentially from developing further. And so you get this ideological clash between one side that wants to let things become more and another group that wants things to remain as they are you know and i i like that that juxtaposition because i like the idea that neither side was inherently wrong, wrong. or even bad in the yeah. beginning yeah i mean i love right? that i i love that because i mean if you've listened to the first episode uh you'll know that the two major conflicts are really about one like a, just a general power struggle not necessarily evil or good in itself but it is just the yeah. the the inherent need for change or the want for things to stay the same i think that that is a very common premise for worlds um a, a inherent struggle yeah. in humanity alone not to mention you know the worlds that we create Definitely, and I think you know it's not that it's it's quintessentially a human problem. Let's For say sure. some want to move forward and some don't. And um, I, I, you know, I always like to say, or at least I've ranted about this before on my stream, is I like to think of of humanity as in our inner humanity as being something that isn't unique to us being human, but rather us being, you know conscious sentient beings exactly. and that it can be shared by yeah. other types of beings as well and so yeah i i really wanted to incorporate that here yeah i don't think that our 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 ideologies are limited because we are human i think that if there were other mm -hmm. sentient creatures that like there are definitely you know a good a good possibility that you know the same inner struggles that we have they would have too it would be hard to see that you know just the general like like we've mentioned the general i want to move forward but some people don't and then that causes an issue mm -hmm. like that yeah. that could go anywhere like that's a yeah that is a a time period for for like anything yeah exactly exactly um and so that you know and, and the way that I then envision it is that the period of, of conflict and struggle in, you know, not even in the celestial spheres, but actually on our plane of existence was enormous and almost unending in, in the total span of time that it took compared to how long we've actually been in the current, let's say, paradigm. So it was an incredible effort to get beyond that, but eventually, you know, what we become what we come to know as the good guys you know your your deities that typically adhere to a to a decent let's say at least to an alignment that supports more mortal kind existing um they 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 won by essentially separating the planes from each other because back then everything was layered simply on top of each other everything existed at the same time because why wouldn't it if you begin out of nothing? Exactly. Right? And so they, yeah, and they, they essentially uh, created this metal that I call Eterna. And 
they used it to create Eternus seals, literally seals in the fabric of reality that you can find practically anywhere. You could theoretically find one floating in the middle of space. Um, of course, our, our players would never get there, but they have these seals that, that form a kind of physical bond that, that the player characters can eventually get to, and that actually featured as one of the core themes in my first campaign, because someone was opening the seals. And essentially by opening the seals, you know, you invite back that chaos of everything existing in the same space at yeah. once. That's, so that that's was a super cool concept. Yeah, that that was. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I was. It's something that I I I'm very happy that it developed as it did because I started that campaign without any clue. I had an Eternus seal, but that's it. I had no clue of its functionality or its place in the metaphysical world. It was just just you know this this kind of you know nonsensical thing that I came up with to care about and then. It grew into this, and it's become such a such a key point um, because, of course, once they started closing off the planes and prevented them from bleeding over into our prime material plane, what it became to be. Um, at that point, there was room for um, mortal kind to rise, and I always say mortal kind because uh, you know I don't want to say human kind, but well, yeah, it was they're not all, all the humans. mortal races yeah. kind of started coming exactly. up. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that is. Uh, in in short, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoy drawing parallels between worlds, and so like one another parallel that I can draw between your and my world, you have these Eterna seals that if you release them, you release or if you open them, you release chaos back into the world. Uh, yeah. In my world, um, uh, Tarum and Eusit, basically the the two main deities that were trapped away on the border of the ethereal were trapped away in a cage. Uh, and one of the main threads oh. in a majority of my of my campaigns is the cracking or breaking of that cage. So, like, that parallel could be drawn between your seal to my cage, yeah. both of them opening up and both of them releasing chaos back into the world because the, the fight between uh, Tarum and Eusit leveled the plane and it would level the plane mm -hmm. again if it happened were to happen again uh so i i that do i enjoy cool. that i enjoy that parallel that there is a it is a con it seems to be a common theme that um definitely it seems like the players are often fighting against chaos as opposed to maybe not evil um mm -hmm. they're fighting more against the the disorder of things the things that aren't in the right yeah. way as opposed to evil because evil is subjective but chaos is a little bit exactly it is a little bit more cut and dry like this is not exactly how the general populace think that it's supposed to be yeah just to jump on that what you just said because i think that's a really good kind of analysis that i you know it's kind of been a part of everything that that i've done and seemingly also what you've been working on and i think that's really interesting because of course chaos is also this like you say it's a it's a not technically a moral concept, you know, of course we know it from the alignment chart, but it's not technically moral in any sort of way. And that makes it really interesting because of course, and I, I that's what I love, right? This is one of the reasons I wanted my own world uh, in the first place was I love the kind of moral ambiguity of and, and having characters make choices oh my goodness, yes. based on the situations around them and having having those choices matter and having chaos as quote-unquote the enemy of course raises immediately the question of okay are you actually fighting something that shouldn't happen or are you simply resisting change exactly you know that that maybe needs to happen at some point and that's that's a really interesting question yes, I think. so one of the main so i i can say this because my uh, the campaign is over uh we we had to end it um so in <laughs> this camp i i don't use the same campaign over and over I do different campaigns, so oh, yeah. the big bad of uh, one of my games was this lich. Uh, his name was Grakur, mm. and um, he was basically a a child of Tarum, the the deity of okay. e of darkness and destruction, not necessarily evil. Uh, and he wanted right. to have his mother have a chance to rule the plane, and so the ah. whole 
side of that wasn't that he wanted to destroy the plane he wanted to give his mom who thought who he thought deserved to rule the plane like you know take control uh he wanted to at least give her a chance to rule in in balance um and that was what they were That's fighting against and there was a good portion of my players at that time that were like wait a second this guy makes sense. She wasn't given the the opportunity to rule. Why is why are we fighting against that? She might do better than what was there originally. Yeah, yeah, very true. And I think those questions. I, you know, I think getting I love... your getting your players to ask those questions, answer those questions, is what really defines yeah. a good story versus a a decent story. Because uh, you know, I can tell a story Definitely. where where you have the players do all these sort of things and it's really really cool but you know getting in the the moral quandaries of whether or not what you're actually doing is the good thing the morally good thing or even the morally ambiguous good thing i think that is really the mm -hmm. defining feature of any great story yeah i i completely agree you know and people see it as this and I say people very generally, obviously, but people see that see it as this kind of humongous task to be overcome. But the truth is, it their choices have to matter in some way. But that doesn't, you know, it can be as simple as how they choose to dress for an important event because they may be making a statement, and that's super small, right? But if you build your world correctly, and that's why world building can be so important. Is when you build it correctly every choice can have consequences or exactly. importance for the players and i mean and every that's, choice that's, in that's, real life cool can have consequences and it does have consequences yeah. consequences aren't necessarily bad things consequences are just what happens no, whenever exactly. you make a choice so every action in game if it feels like a real world should have a consequence whether or not it is a good consequence or a bad consequence like it just every every action should as many actions as you can. It's hard to make every action have consequences, but the more Definitely. actions you have consequences, uh, the more realistic that world is going to be. Yeah. No, definitely. So, what I wanted to say before, but I, I didn't want to derail us, but um, I also wanted to say that how I got to my idea of like the, the, the planes being layered, I have to shout out really quickly, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Because <laughs> I got the idea from... Uh, from the uh, if anybody hasn't seen season five, I mean this is technically spoilers, but it's been twenty years, so it, I um, mean get over after it, I twenty guess? years, you have you have uh, you have total right to spoil. Right, I mean, twenty years is is almost longer than so, I've been alive. So okay, so in in season five, you know, there's this whole plot line of someone trying to tear open the 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 walls between dimensions because they want to go back to their own dimension and like that always inspired me so much and that's where i started out with and it's just been you know i i've definitely i think i feel that i've made it my own but you know it's um it's definitely some something so interesting that that i just had to, to call it out because there's so many more cool ideas in in fiction and i know oh my goodness, we, we might yes. talk a bit more about influence and stuff and uh, there's so many influences that i um that i want to just shout from the rooftops and say you know this thing was incredible because of this and you know i consume media in general in in such a large quantity it really there's helps just so many ideas i can draw from it yeah getting Definitely. getting that that uh that media consumption of general stories like just even the little ones like going back and reading one of my favorite books that i have on my shelf is grimm's fairy tales like, just going back and reading Grimm's fairy tales just provides so much inspiration. It's crazy. Like, it, it is such a good set of stories with, like, such dynamic plot elements. Like, it is... I love it. I really do. And so, like, every book on my shelf, it has potential for some sort of inspiration. So the more you read, the more po possible inspiration points you have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I would even argue that it even extends to, you know, like, television series and movies. You know, it's... I, oh, I for think, sure. I didn't mean that it was I, only books. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I apologize if it sounded that way. It's more that I know that there are people that go like, you should read more books. And I'm like, I want to, 
but also I'm watching all these really amazing shows that are also giving me a lot of inspiration. Uh, you know, and I think people discount that sometimes. Exactly. Sort of. Like I, I just, uh, I just uh, got into the the ep- the season of uh, it's called In the Dark. It's on Netflix, um, and I'm not going to say anything right now because uh, because I I hope my players will be listening to this. Um, but there are some plot elements in there that I've had like I've had clicks where I'm like, you know, you know, this is set in modern day, but that would be an interesting like little plot line. Yeah. For, you know, a side little adventure. You know, they're in town and this happens and then this happens and then this happens. And so, like, even, you know, if you're looking for it, you can find inspiration in everything. But, yeah, even if the time isn't right, you know, you're telling me fantasy story and it's a, it's a modern show. But the, the, the universal thing is, of course, character and situations that still uh, link together to, to, to make something interesting. And those can always be transplanted into uh into anything because those power dynamics and those relationships are what defines your connection to to the material i think so i i completely agree you know that's and that's a really cool way to to build your stories exactly yeah it is definitely it is definitely amazing to you know be able to find such inspiration in in literally everything that you do because uh, I mean, there there are moments where I I've had moments where I've been driving and I've seen a billboard, and then just a chain of reaction of thoughts has led from that billboard to me leading a entire like one shot or whatever like you know a whole entire section of campaign because of this one single trickling down idea from this minuscule thing. So I mean, as long as you're open to to receiving information, I think you can really, really find inspiration anywhere. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've done the same thing. So the entire Western third of my, my world, my continent, I defined on a, on a, on a, on a random whim of inspiration that I had one evening where I, I don't even know what it was. I think I watched like the, the Prince of Persia movie, I think. Maybe, I, I don't even know. It wasn't like you know high high quality stuff that that inspired me, but I watched it and I was just um, struck, you know. And I, I wrote this one shot with a very well defined kind of societal structure and the way that they fit into it, and I thought it was really cool. And my players responded to it super well. And ever since, that's just completely defined how a like a huge portion of my world works based on that one evening when I had this bit of an idea. I mean, I I just based crazy. my one of my entire lands, uh, the Bachlands, the southern um, the southern land on the western continent. I based one of my entire lands ecosystems on the the uh, the state of Florida. <laughs> like, like Oh wow, nice. <laughs> it it feel it's like the the um, the ecosystem, the whole like feel and vibe of like a swampy marsh that is all hot and humid and it just clings to your skin. Like that's just how my, one of my lands feels. So like even just like the concept of a state can provide inspiration for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I you know, I think Honestly, really interestingly, that as you get more comfortable being a dungeon master and a world builder, you start to draw inspiration from crazier and crazier things. I oh think. my goodness! Yeah, you know, sometimes I'm I'm just walking around, and I just see I, I hear like a, a an advertisement on the radio, or I see something outside, and I think you know that's just boom, 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 three things fire off, and I'm completely invested in this idea exactly Crazy. exactly like I'm, I'm not uh i'm not gonna lie i went to go take a nap after after releasing the episode yesterday and it was i i couldn't like i had because i laid down i saw something on twitter and i was like <laughs> i have to write stuff for my friday my friday game this is this is yep. perfect this is gonna work this is amazing because i had i had a little bit of a roadblock about what i wanted to do for the session today because i have a session today um, I had a little bit of a roadblock about what exactly I wanted to do, and I saw something on Twitter that gave me the perfect idea. I can't even remember what it was to <laughs> shout him out, and it makes me so sad, but I had the perfect idea. It was great, so I had to get back up on my computer and start writing again. I was like, so much for that nap. <laughs> isn't, isn't that the worst? Especially even worse when it happens in the middle of the night. I oh had my that goodness, yesterday. yes. <laughs> 
I so I've always told my players that I all, almost always I'm thinking about them. Whether or not it is specifically about their player or their game, there is almost never a time that I am not thinking about Dungeons and Dragons because I mean I run three games and I play in two. I've got so much Dungeons and Dragons on my plate. Not to mention that I am uh, I'm, I'm doing the Twitter and now the podcast. I I am a full time worker on Dungeons and Dragons now. So like my brain is always always going together for for uh, dungeons and dragons it is crazy yeah I, f I feel you there i mean last night i i currently i can't find the twitter user who i was talking with but we were debating something and in the middle of it i i came up with this one shot one pager idea to have a um about surfer dudes i don't know if you saw the tweets but um about like uh, a bunch of uh, i think i called it dude where's my board and you, you play a bunch of surfer dudes <laughs> that that like are at the beach and their boards get stolen and they have to go into the nearby town which is infested with the kraken cult and they have to you know get their boards back and then the final battle the boss battle is them fighting a kraken on their surfboards in the sea oh my goodness like, that that's is amazing. it that was i love and that. i was so happy to come up with that <laughs> right like i have to design that at some point <laughs> oh no for sure I, that is that is amazing what is so? What's also interesting is what I've noticed. Um, on top of taking inspiration, I I mean we're just on the inspiration roll right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, on top of taking inspiration from other world builders, I mean this is one of the, doing this podcast is totally self-serving because I get to listen to so many people's cool worlds and like take so many notes and I'm like, hey, can I steal that? Like, can I steal that real quick and just take that? Uh, and then just like take that one and I'm taking notes just the entire time. So not only do I get to do that, but I've noticed I, I find inspiration in myself. Uh, so like last night I was running a one shot for a guy on Twitter. Um, their name is Purper Watch, P-U-R-P-U-R-Watch. Uh, they are a, an amazing artist. I, I absolutely love them. I've been following them for a really long time. Uh, but I was running a one-shot that I gave away for them, and I had this off-the-cuff thing that was like completely random about this one little tiny bit of lore, and it built this background for basically um, an elder brain, the original elder brain named Caro, and like I can go back and build on that, like this completely off-the-cuff thing where as you start to kind of just make shit up, you can just really build on that. Yeah. So you get inspiration from even like your subconscious where I'm like, yeah, that's what this was. And then I'm like, whoa, that is actually a really good idea. Where did that come from? <laughs> I, I see that. And I currently have to steal that idea of an original elder brain. Don't know what yeah. I'm going to do with it, but it sounds amazing. So, so, I'm so just gonna write here's, that down here's what my here. story was. It's like during the beginning, during, so before the split, whenever gods roamed the earth or the plane, uh, there was this creature mm -hmm. that was, uh, and I'll send you the image that I was using because it kind of really explains it. Uh, it there was this creature that yeah. was large and tentacled. It was almost like a the original Illithid, uh, and it grew so large that it could it could literally steal the heart out of a god and steal their brain and their intelligence um and whenever that died they were so large and so intelligent that they became the first elder brain oh okay that's and so clever. they were that's they clever. were actually able to turn in turn other people into what would be considered mind flayers right oh man this is making me think though you know, like about a sort of cosmic horror approach where, like, but also like left over from the, you know, there have to be other originals and, and creatures from the primordial time that, that didn't, you know, assimilate or were slain that still float through the depths of space or oh are, my goodness, you know, yes. hidden somewhere in within planets, maybe. Oh, oh yeah, that God. would be like, okay. they are, they're uh, asleep. So one of my favorite little tidbits of lore that yeah. my players are starting to learn is that the gods that have died haven't necessarily died. Well, most of them haven't necessarily died. Some of them have been wiped from the plane entirely, but most of them have died in the sense that if they have enough followers, they can come back. And so like my Friday game, they are learning that one of the deities that died 
their name was Lohair, and they were the original god of trickery and treachery. And so what they're learning today, okay. actually, Ed is actually in that game. So the guy that just joined in the uh, <laughs> into the, the channel, um, he is in, in one of my games. So he'll, I mean, he's going to get a little bit cool. of a spoiler here. Um, they're learning <laughs> that their offerings are enough to kind of give him a little bit of a edge into the world so that he can actually communicate with them. Uh, so they're actually yeah, going to end up talking with a god tonight. And so it's going to be really cool. You know, I, I think that's one of my favorite things that I want to explore more in the future is like god mechanics. Because in, in the traditional D&D or, or, you know, fa fantasy world at large, gods are this kind of distant idea right they they live on another plane and they they can provide you with magic or prayer but they don't necessarily exist as characters as such and recently you know what i did with with uh my world adea as I'm, i'll call it adea from now on but what i did with adea is that at the end of the previous campaign there was this huge cataclysmic battle against the raven queen and it had very wide-reaching consequences for the world, including, of course, that the Eternus seals were closed again. So all of the barriers went back up, and it kind of, you know, I I had envisioned it as the gods being closer. You can feel their presence. Like, it's a physical sensation that people had, even though they weren't aware of it. And when that dropped away, that also caused a very significant kind of global depression, almost, because people realized that their connection to their deities that had felt so close and real before was now something that they could separate themselves from much more easily. I, I think that that's a, actually a great point because what I didn't realize is that that would have been a very big change in the world for my world, especially because my, my whole, I didn't even think about that uh, in that regard, because if you, if you are used to your deity being on the same plane as you and being able to reach out and touch them sometimes and then all of a sudden they are just gone and they're on their own plane. That must have been an, a crazy paradigm shift. That is something I'm definitely going to have to write down and work through. Yeah, and, and like I, when I had the idea, I was so inspired because I love that, right? Because it makes a very, uh, I'm going to say human point about about something that's normally very distant and divine. Um, but, but what I did was, you know, like with the gods, what well, it's the gods fall essentially, because they call it the gods fall because they don't know what happened, but they know that the gods essentially fell away. And so that's, that's the, the general definition for it. And, um, and of course now there's a vacuum. So there are people that generally just, they, they know gods exist. It's a fact in this world, but they don't believe, right? And you have others that still believe and then you have another group that is now starting to follow these new rising powers like almost like would-be gods or demigods and they're not all demigods some are like uh aboleth or super powerful devils that that happen to be trapped on this plane of existence and um those those rising powers they have like special names and they're essentially like a smaller pantheon that's trying to find its place in the world and that's what this campaign in part is about is like they're now the this kind of thing is now <clears throat> coming up but it has to assimilate to the current paradigm whereas normally gods and divine beings are of such an awesome level of power that they set the paradigm but now because they're only coming up and civilization is the paradigm it's so widespread in my world that now the gods that are coming have to adapt to civilization instead of the other way around. And that's like one of the key struggles that I've established for, for, for Adea as being really, really prominent. That is so cool because, you know, like I've set it up in my world that like in the in the lore, uh, people have risen up to power and in, in ascended to godhood. So it is possible. Um, and so the fact that there are probably, I mean, there almost definitely are demigods out there that are, you know, of the world and having to, you know, kind of learn their power and, you know, expand it and, and do what they can, but they have to do it within the confines of the world itself. That is such a good idea. Yeah. And, uh, actually, so how I got to this point was with my original thing of making deities a character is 
that's what I'm trying to do here as well, right? Because when they're coming up in the world, they have much more earthly concerns. Uh, so, for example, one of these quote-unquote deities is, is called Yana. And she is someone who emerged in, like, in the aftermath of the Cataclysm some 35 years ago. Very close to the, to the God's Fall. And she claims, like, she proclaimed a new religion. It's called the Path of Truth. And she claims to be the daughter of two great gods that have been freed. And she kind of formed this whole religious cult and empire around herself, saying that she will spread the word of truth to everyone else. And so she started her march on everyone else. And, you know, it's it, it was this really important factor because not only is it a prime example of this rising deity being... A, completely in the foreground of the world and you know deity is questionable but being completely prominent but at the same time also of course in the aftermath of the god's fall there was this huge chaos and lack of structure so of course people would flock to someone like this who can provide them a semblance of their old life a semblance of safety and happiness and you know chance to prosper again so it was this perfect storm of events where she just took advantage and I'm really excited to, to do more with that character, especially. No, that is that is especially cool. I think one of the main things that I feel like, you know, the NPCs there would would feel is the connection. They they want the connection again because they had mm, a connection with definitely. their deity, and now that they have this person who might even be able to to uh, to get that connection back to them. Because I, th I think you know, religion is a hot topic in in you know society today alone uh, i think that's what a lot of people in you know religious sects are looking for they're looking for a connection they're looking for something bigger than themselves uh, wh whether whatever that is uh, the religion or not i think a majority of them are more about looking for something more than themselves to believe in and so having that person that is like actually there i think that is it is a very valid point and it makes a makes a lot of sense, and I think the people would it it makes so much sense that people would be flocking to them because they're looking for that connection. And you know, I mean, um, I'm not going to name anything, but of course, with the the recent years that we've had in our world, um, totalitarianism is also at the forefront of of that kind of ideology, right? And I, I'm not going to it's it's not necessarily a judgment; it's really just exploring how people that how people might flock to such an idea even when you know an empire like this i mean they they do atrocious things you know they they burn heretics and they play them and they do horrible things to people that don't fall in line but they provide a pretty good life for the people that do fall in line so it's like they they do a lot of things right they save the world even in some cases like yana has recently like really in the last year once saved the world and people know it so it's i i love and i guess that that is a topic that we've we've covered a few times now but i love this kind of moral complexity moral yeah, of having to say yeah how are we going to look at it like what lens am i going to use to to consider this because on the one hand you know they do a lot of bad things but they're also doing good things and how do i approach this this topic in the first place how much good outweighs the bad that they have done? Do they need to do two good acts for every it? bad acts, or is you know is those bad acts still is that bad acts still going to take the forefront of people's head, no matter how many good acts they do, or you know where does that where does that black and white turn to gray, or where does that gray turn to black and white, and does it ever? Um, you know, I think that that's really the player's decision, especially in worlds where we're telling the story. We get to see our own world through their lens. I think that's the best part about playing Dungeons and Dragons is because I can tell you a world. I can give you a setting to play in. But if you understand, you know, this player as good or this player as bad, then... You know, that's just how they see it, and that's how they understand it. Trying to find balance in the world, RPG apparel, that is literally my whole thing. The god of the god of creation, Io, her whole thing was about balance. 
her two children are the children of light and darkness of creation and destruction neither of them are exactly evil they are just the two sides of the same coin that want to find a balance but the thing is since they're always in conflict it always causes chaos and so they found something that caused balance and that was locking them away away from the plane but peace has risen in the in my world and so just like in, i was mentioning in my my original my first podcast there is a surplus of peace if the world is truly about balance that means at some point the scales are going to swing back the other way and chaos is going to reign at least at some point unless somebody stops it Does your flatware leave you feeling flat? Is the wizard laughing at you because you eat with your hands? Are you starving to death because you didn't pack cooking utensils for your trip? Yeah, it's kind of hard to cook over an open flame with your bare hands. No worries, I'm Kekko the Cuckold Sales Kobold, and I have your solution. Here at Cutco, we have forks, knives, cups, bowls, pots, hands, and swords. Yes, even swords, because when you're two foot tall like me, our large kitchen knives do look like a weapon. With Cutco's patented dwarven technology, your pots will never dent, your knives will never dull, and unlike most medieval dishware, they're lead free, so you won't die. So put in your order today. How do you find me? I don't know, just yell real loud. I mean, really, how many kobolds do you know that sell dishware? You looking for seed? You looking for grain? You looking for some of those special herbs that help you through the day? Well, come on down to Lanham and visit Sneeze Weed and Feed. At Sneeds Weed and Feed, we have all forms of organically grown botanical goods and help enhance your garden or enhance your performance. Grow taller tomatoes or even make everyone around you just look taller. Who knows? Maybe you'll even just get lucky and have the whole town throwing gold at you. Fill your need with Sneeds Weed and Feed. We're not responsible for elephant trunk arms, memory loss, sudden urge, take over the plane, itchy throat, extra feet, sudden change of vision, sudden non-change of vision, lack of appetite, sudden increase of appetite, summoning an angel and demonic force and battle over the city, leaving a large portion of it destroyed, inner ear infection, outer ear infection, taking offense to fire, turning trees into bronze, flinging krakens into welsh, tree rampages, mania, dry eyes, ascension into godhood, loss of all your gold, loss of all your clothes, loss of all your friends, loss of all your molecules, loss of all your teeth, sentient teeth, or killing god! Yeah, I think that's that's a really interesting concept. Um, you know, especially I think in a world that that because I think you 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 made a choice right to to kind of build it around this concept of balance. If if I'm not I mistaken, mean, no, no, I I and definitely very much did. That. The word the word statera literally means balance in Latin. Ah, nice. So it was nice. very yeah. conscious. So I think that's a really interesting approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can imagine. And the, the reason I think it's such an interesting approach is because um, when you do, you know, the, the uh, world building approach that I did, which is not necessarily with this super distinct um, core idea, because I think, you know, a balance uh, is, is, is like this really crucial core thing that can run through your world and you can do incredible things with it because it, it forces motion in the plot of your world, right? Because like you said, peace is reigning, that means chaos must come somehow. So there, there is automatically this forward motion in the story. And I think what what I sometimes not struggle with, but definitely face at times is the fact that because I don't have this core concept that, that automatically drives things forward, everything comes down to the choices that my characters make. And my characters, I mean both my player characters uh, the, or the player characters from, from my players and the NPCs. So I always have to be making choices for them to keep the story moving because that is, that's literally the only driver 
Well, yeah, but that makes the world feel even more like a sandbox that they get to make all these decisions and they can go and do whatever they want. Yeah, I have a major overarching thing, but that can sometimes feel railroady. Like, even if it is just barely there and you only see it sometimes, it can still sometimes feel railroady. So if your world is literally just the, the, whatever your actions are, that is the cause of what our story is. Like, yes, RPG apparel in the, in the chat, uh, it makes the world feel alive because again, back to the concept of your actions have consequences. And so whether or not those consequences are good or bad, I think that whenever your your actions are driving the story, no matter what those actions are, I think it really, really does make the world feel more alive. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, I think... I mean, this has always been something that... That, that is my core tenet as a dungeon master and as a storyteller, is I, I want my players to live in... or to live and tell their stories in a place that feels... or that can feel as close to real as the real world around them. And that, that's, of course, an insanely difficult concept to try to chase, but it drives me to, to run... The, yeah, it, it, it drives me to run the game and the world and to build it in, in a way that... Um, but that I enjoy so incredibly much because, you know, it it's obviously also... I don't want to say burden, but it's a lot of work because, first, first of all, you know, my, my world, if you look at my world map, it is... 4,600 kilometers across going from London to what did I calculate I think India somewhere or Turkey that, that's how big I made it um and yeah one of my one of my friends purple he actually was asking me about how big my world was because what we came to the conclusion was that uh generally uh, worlds that people build are on the smaller side. They are, yes. Uh, they're on the they are on the side that you know it, it makes it easier to build this microcosm of a world whenever it is smaller. Um, and so having such a big world, it, it's a big undertaking. But really, I think that it's more satisfying because I get to sit here and not only I. I don't like to have everything planned out. I don't like to have everything down to the last minuta planned because that makes me feel like I'm railroading my players. I like to have just enough information that my players can take it and run with it and do what they want to do and then and help me continue to build the lore. So I don't want to spend three hours building this city whenever I can spend 30 minutes getting the basic information that they need. And then while we're playing, I can be like, yeah, they do have a magic shop here. It's called this. And they're, <laughs> they're like, oh, well, I want to go. I want to go do this and this. Like it helps me build the lore and I can be like, oh, no, no, sorry. They don't have that. Like it, it, I, that's whenever I know that like that doesn't it's just not there. Like it's just it's so it's so good to have a a large world I feel because you can make it feel more open. It doesn't feel as packed I feel sometimes, uh, but I feel like you're able to get the players into the storytelling, which is what I focus on major majorly is the storytelling of the games. Yeah, yeah, I I mean I do as well. Uh, my original group and and the current one thankfully has exactly the same attitude but i i formed my original group in, back in 2017 and i had i had an interview form i literally asked them like seven or eight questions in depth thorough questions that they had to answer you know with like a paragraph of 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 text about how they approached the game what their you know uh, of the three pillars that is described in the in the dnd player handbook i think or in the dungeon master guide uh which of the three pillars appeals to them the most just so i could pick out the ones who love the story and the role playing the most because you know that narrative focus is is my absolute favorite thing about telling these stories for sure i have been greatly blessed uh to be able to have 11 players that that paid pay me to run games for them and all of them are are absolutely amazingly great people and they're just so they love the story they love the game and they are really here to have uh, you know the story told and be a part of it in that way and it, it just makes the game so much better whenever you have a group of people that really want to get lost in the story that whenever you end on a cliffhanger they are 
legitimately mad at you for the rest of the week. I've had that happen so many times where I cliffhangered them and they're like, Pun, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to come find you. I'm going to I'm going to come find your house and I'm going to kill you. I cannot stand another day without knowing what happened to Grisha. Like, it was <laughs> crazy. Yeah, I mean, cliffhangers. And, you know, like having the ability to even recognize and utilize those those powerful story moments you know that's exactly like you said it comes down to having incredible players as well because you can make the most amazing world in the world um you could run a game in in middle earth if you wanted to and it still wouldn't work if you didn't have the players investing in it and you know giving it their their attention and, and effort to come to life i mean that's that's why it's a group storytelling game because if I wanted to write a novel where I can, had total control of everybody, I would write a novel. But the thing is, it's a, I have six other people at my table that have just as much say in the story as I do. I, I have no right to tell them no, unless it is a, like I know that it is going to cause an issue. I hate telling my players no if I don't have to. And I, I, we, I think I mentioned it on, on Twitter the other day. Um, one of the best tools that I have in my arsenal is no but. The phrase no but is so good. I absolutely no but. Be I absolutely love no but. Because no but says, yes, your, your, your thing isn't exactly right. But here's where I'm willing to give it to you. So like, yes, yes, that I don't, I don't agree with the way you just said that. But, you know, we'll make a deal. I, I and feel so, that. like, even yeah. in the things that they're, even the things that they're necessarily, I don't want to say necessarily wrong, but the things that they may, may be too overzealous with, I can reel them back in a little bit into the world my way, because some of them, you know, they're not as, you know, it, what's the word I'm looking for? They're not as um, used to telling a story. And so, I don't, I don't want to tell them how to run their story, but I also don't want them to accidentally cause an issue within the story. No, exactly. So You're just that's providing why it is the, a group the thing. boundaries that they can kind exactly, of bounce yeah. off of so when they really go go out of bounds. No, but I get that, and like I love the no but approach. I think my my keyword is not no but. I just go well. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing, right? That's literally the same thing. It's just got different syllables. Exactly. It's, it's literally the same thing. Yeah. Well, like, uh, that's close. Yeah. It's, it's like you're you're thinking in the right direction, but how about this? And then it's just like a little bit different, exactly. Just because you know, and I think that's one of the, um, because I completely agree with you. Like, we're however many people you have at the table, you're all equal. Uh, parts in, in telling the story that you tell together. But of course, inevitably as the dungeon master, you have a sort of chaperone duty to make sure that your world continues to act and exist in a consistent manner around them. And, and they can't always know how their actions will exactly influence. And sometimes they, they just get an idea that, that will, you know, explode in a way that they wouldn't that the characters would recognize but that they don't and then you just have to kind of step in and i think that's a responsibility you do have to take seriously like you do because otherwise you know players aren't going to be happy with doing something stupid when they didn't realize it was going to be stupid <laughs> exactly that's when it so oftentimes um i have players that they completely understand making stupid stupid i stupid decisions uh and they being character choices but even then most of the time and there's some stories that i'll tell one day um specifically about one character named grisha um it's i love this story it's great but i'll tell it's a it's another it's a story for another day uh but basically whenever they decide to do something stupid either grisha or miho or any of my other players that they, they do something interesting well let's not call it stupid because i don't like calling people stupid uh, or even you're, you're with chaotic stupid, stupid let's call here. them interesting <laughs> yes but let's call them interesting whenever they decide to do interesting things they um i explained to them i'm like this is the likelihood of this going bad this is what happens if it goes bad are you still sure that you want to do this and they're like yes it's a character decision 
And so that's whenever I'm like, okay, it's a character decision. That means that even if you die or even if you have this issue, then I'm not going to feel bad because you are okay with it. Because I never... So I think that the main thing about roleplay or anything is consent, really. Uh, so whenever we're at a table, there's a general underlying level of consent at the table. I will not do something to your character that I I know that you don't want or that I haven't at least talked about before. And I expect the same in return for my NPCs. And so whenever I don't think that I don't want you just go random going around randomly killing my NPCs, I'm not going to go around randomly killing your players. Like that is the baseline of consent there and so if i have an if i if i have an idea where a plot point would center around a character death i almost always 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 not even almost always i always check with them before because i would rather ruin the moment for that single player in that the surprise of this awesome plot point than ruin their fun in the game because the fun in the game always supersedes the story and the story always supersedes the rules 100 percent. that is i i live by that okay interesting i mean i i i in principle i agree right and i think you know you you talked about consent and i think it's also in in a way of course the consent is very very closely tied with agency as well and the ability to make choices about your character and not having them forced upon you. So, for example, I think one of the things that I do as a dungeon master that I still want to make a shorter video on as well is how I approach death in in Adea because death is is functions normally as we understand it in in these tabletop role playing games, but at the same time from a narrative standpoint in a world that is built around have seeing characters make choices and grow quick or or quick or easily achieved character death is not desirable right that's it's kind of a a thing where if if this character dies in the middle of their story and then that's really a huge shame because whereas in a more traditional dungeon crawling or or fighting approach to to D&D for example it wouldn't be such a terrible thing. It's still sad, but it's not the same as when you've spent, let's say now over a year on a character. And so what I do is I let characters die when they die, but I will always find a way to tie the plot into them coming back if they want to. So the player has agency as to whether their character continues or not through their character making choices. So usually because in a world with many magical powers, there is someone who wants something that you could achieve for them. So, and usually that's someone tied into your backstory, right? Um, but for example, in my previous campaign, one of the player characters died. Uh, her name was Kay, and she was a halfling sorcerer. And in the in in the afterworld, um, she essentially encountered. I think I had. Kelimvor acting as like a sort of lieutenant of the Raven Queen. Um, and he essentially instructed her, hey, do you like her brother who had died many years earlier has been taken from the underworld. I'm going to send you back if you agree. And then you have to go find him and you have you only have life until you find him and bring him back and then you can be here together. And that was kind of you know this this huge important quest that that followed from her death which was in a in a fight with werewolves it was kind of accidental almost you know it wasn't some huge plot thing that happened but when it did happen i turned it into a huge plot thing and gave them a choice to either return or not return because the character could just say yeah that's you know i'm here now and that gives the the, the player again the room to say okay no i want my character to be dead it's it's the, the the time and she wouldn't make the choice to, to go back maybe she'd just send a message to her old friends and say like hey can you look out for my brother and bring him back if you can or something like that so like having that choice there is why well, i think I, I try to build agency into everything that my my players do because i mean it's kind of also a way of guarding myself the way that you had described where when they know that their choices are their own to make and everything that they do and that that happens to them is a result of the choices they make 
I'm kind of absolved of the responsibility. You know, I still have to make sure that the story is good and that the characters act reasonably, but their choices are their own and they know it. And it makes the roleplay, like sometimes they roleplay for 30, 40 minutes without me intervening because they're just so oh, I love that. obsessed that is, about getting a choice. That is right. my heart and soul. Yes, that is my heart and soul. Whenever I have my players where I don't have to do anything for long periods of time and I just get to listen to them in character role play and just help build my story by themselves with me not interfering at all. It is everything to me. It is 100% everything to me. It is so great. Absolutely. It's, it's probably my favorite thing as well. You know, aside from the really heavy hitting plot points, but aside from that, like those times are just, I sit here like a proud mama bear just watching them you know yes. play to their heart's content it's amazing it's so good <laughs> all right well um i think that that is a good place to stop um for right now of course um we are gonna have another episode but um seeing as we're doing this all in one sitting um having them breaking up into about an hour segment is gonna make it the most easy for me um so let's go ahead uh if you want to Tell us where we can find you, things like that, uh, and we will get started with another episode here in just a second. Sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter, at ChaoticStupidCo, C-O at the end, because media is too long. And you can find me on Twitch at um, Twitch forward slash uh, ChaoticStupidMedia. So that's, that's where I'm at. I also have a YouTube channel, but that's easier found through links on the other two. And I'll have uh, I'll have your link tree probably in the description of this this video or not the video but the podcast, uh, so you are <laughs> you'll have all that information to be able to yeah you definitely need a link tree if you don't have one it is amazing yes. uh, if you don't I have a link tree to. by that point I will we will just uh, we can just post your links there it's no uh, no issue uh, do, just just yell right, at well, me if I don't have one <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, well, so this has been A Beholder's Chronicle, the story between the pages. Uh, my name is Pun, and remember, to help control the monster population, please have your, your monsters spayed or neutered. Have a great week. See you next time. Oh my goodness, that was so amazing, and it was literally just the tip of the iceberg. I really need to shout out Chaotic Stupid, because not only were they my first guest on the show, but they were also the first patron on the Patreon that is now live. So really, if you do like what I do, please go check them out using the links in the description. They deserve all the love and support that we can muster for them for sure. A second shout out goes out to one of my players who plays in the Tuesday game and is already paying me money to play in the game and now he is a patron at the $50 tier. So giant shout out to them for really going above and beyond to support me in the things that I love. Know that this does get you special treatment, just don't tell the other players, okay? All right. Also, I wanted to take a moment and really thank you all for being here and supporting me. This is, uh, you know, so amazing to be here and in this place. At the time of recording, the podcast is at over 100 plays and over 35 unique listeners based on the stats. And that is so, so cool. And I don't want to bog the podcast down with ads that you won't use or you won't listen to and you want to skip through to get to the actual content. So me and my players are going out of our way to make fun ads for you. And so there are, there are the ads like that you listen to today of uh, Kecko's Cutco Kobold Company. Uh, so mouthful in itself. And then Sneed's Weed and Feed, which is one of my fa personal favorites. And so I want to use my platform and also to allow others to grow. So I want to have ads for really cool podcasts that may or may not be on the show at some point, as well as small businesses that you could go support. Uh, I want to make sure that the podcast supports others in this amazing craft and showcase all the hard work. And I don't need ads that pay me money to do that. And so, you know, that being said, I do have the Patreon if you want to support me in that way. And if you're not able to do that, there's really no shame in it. Listening to the podcast, following my Twitter, leaving reviews are all free ways that you can support me and the show and in, in, in supporting me and what I love doing. 
So really, thank you to everyone who has supported me in this far alone. It is it, the outpouring of support and love has been, you know, astronomical. <laughs> I've been blown away with how much support has been given to me in this moment. And I can only hope that I live up to your expectations and that someday I can somehow return the favor. If you want to join in on the discussion with us, you can find us at ABC D&D Pod, and you can find me at D, I'm sorry, at a pun D&D on Twitter. And you can check the description for my link tree, and you can find the link to the Patreon, the Discord, and much, much more. I just want to give another really quick shout out to the person who made all of the amazing music here on the podcast and I will be continuing to use them. So if you are a streamer, a YouTuber, or anybody that needs uh, music for your stuff or your content, please go check out Tanner Please on Twitter. That is T-A-N-N-E-R-P-L-S underscore. They are so good. They are such a great person. Please go check them out. Hi there, this is Giuseppe with Modern Artifice. Over the years, we've discovered both characters and players alike are unique in their tastes and preferences, and that's why we offer a wide selection of colors and styles in all manner of dice, from metal, to hand-poured resin, and gemstone. We want to make sure that you have the perfect set of click-clacks for your character and player. And for our even more discerning clientele, we offer custom dice. Made to order with your preferences and just a pinch of magic, love, and lasers. You can find us on the web and through social media at Modern Artifice. And be on the lookout for our upcoming Kickstarter, Demi Lich Dice, featuring hollow metal dice with a skull theme. Don't settle for the mundane when you can have the magical.